All right, so what we want to do is basically work through how to um, develop a Bible lesson um, to teach. And so this will primarily be aimed at sort of writing your own original lesson. Um, I may make some comments as I go along about if you're using some sort of a curriculum or book or, or guide or something because that certainly, there's some application there too. All right, so let's, let's dig in here. So how many people here get nervous about speaking in front of a group, teaching a class, something to that effect? Anybody? Most everybody. Well, how do you how do you get past that? You know, how do you get over that nervousness and and anxiety that you have about that? Well, to let you down easy, there's no magic answer um, for that. A um, couple things that can help. One of those being experience. Obviously, the the more that you do it, you get a little bit more comfortable with it, and that certainly does help. Um, but really the sort of the, the vital key for that really comes down to preparation. So if, if you are really prepared, I'm not saying that it's going to take away all nervousness, but it does help. You know, you know what it is that you're getting ready to do, what it is you're trying to accomplish. You, you, know, you know who you're going to be teaching, what you're going to be teaching, and you know why that you're going to be teaching them, it does help, all right? So the preparation part is really what we're focusing on in this little series on teaching the Bible. So what did I just do? Participation is welcome, encouraged, allowed, Well, I did. I did. Um, What I did was I used what might be referred to as a lead-in question to start this whole lesson and this series. So what is a lead-in question? Well, a lead-in question is something that's used to start a study or start a lesson. And it is something that is going to meet certain criteria to be a good lead-in question. So to start with, it's going to be connected to the lesson's primary point. Now, I know that there was a certain school of, of public speaking that for a time it was very fashionable that you always start with a joke, you know, because that breaks the ice and builds rapport with the audience and all that sort of thing. And, and uh, I guess I'll just leave that to your own discretion. But as far as the lesson is concerned, a lead-in question is, is something that's going to, you know, it's going to come from the lesson. It's going to be connected to that primary point. A lead-in question is going to be general enough that it's going to at least interest most people, all right? So I started with the fear of public speaking, obviously, which is one of the most common fears that people experience, even extroverted people have commonly a fear of public speaking, getting up before a group and and speaking. So you would think, you know, well, they love to talk, so they'd love to just get up and talk. But no, even among extroverted people, it's a pretty common fear. So that's something that 
you know, everyone can relate to. A lead-in question also will possibly raise questions, something that's going to be answered in the lesson. It's not usually a real good idea to raise a bunch of questions that you're not going to answer. That is a good way to confuse people um, and to also probably sow seeds of doubt. Um, And last of all, a good lead-in question is going to inform people. It's It's telling them something about how that they're going to be helped. Okay, so those are just some basic criteria for a good lead-in question for a study. So, how did I do? You did great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you do. I do. Yeah. So, okay. So that lead-in question was, eh, it was pretty solid. Probably not the most creative um, possible. Um, But the question got us to the point of preparation, and preparation for teaching is really the main point of this series that we're doing. So in that regard, you know, it worked pretty good, and public speaking being one of the most common fears that people have, um, obviously it connected with a lot of people, resonate, they they can identify, relate to that. And also it raised some questions that this series is going to address. In talking about preparation, I I mentioned three categories. I didn't put them up on the screen. But knowing who you're going to teach, knowing what you're going to teach, and knowing why. That's an essential part of that preparation. And then last of all, preparation, it is an important tool for combating the fear um, that we have so that those who are teaching or those who will be teaching um, the Bible to a group immediately know that this series aims to help. It aims to help in, in, you know, what you're doing. So as far as nervousness goes, you know, just honestly, um, I still get nervous getting up in front of people. I'm nervous about doing this right now because this is about the third time I've used PowerPoint in my life. So I'm, I'm really more concerned about the technical glitches, you know, what if something happens here I don't know how to deal with. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So, you know, there's no way to really just get over that entirely, but being well prepared is um, certainly crucial to that. Okay, so I want to talk about the method that I'm going to use in preparing Bible lessons. So so essentially, it's a a three-step method for developing Bible lessons. It's it's not um, anything difficult. So first of all, you want to begin with the goals for the lesson. Um, You're going to want to study the passage, and then you will finish the lesson. All right, so that's three simple steps for doing a Bible lesson. Now, there is a, there is a logical order to those, to those steps. Um, they s- somewhat resemble the general structure of Paul's epistles, in fact. Um, so if you think about Paul's epistles, the first part of the letter lets you know who he's writing to and why. And then that real body of the letter 
does a couple of things. One is that it gives theological instruction, and that theological instruction is typically based on the Old Testament, the teachings of Christ, apostolic revelation. And then the next, next part in that body of that letter, which corresponds to you know, the studying of the passage, it, it gives practical instruction, that practical application of the theological teaching that came before it. And then the end of Paul's epistles generally bring it all together in some way and give some sort of, of final summary or, or you know, something there at the end. So um, this outline, as far as this method for preparing a Bible lesson, it, it sort of roughly um, conforms to one of Paul's um, epistles. So what we're going to do is we're going to start, and tonight we're going to start with step number one, um, and then uh, in the next we'll go on. But in, in just for tonight, we'll be looking at step number one, and that is thinking about the goals that you have. And the goals, um, before we undertake to teach a Bible lesson, we need to have some things clear in our minds about the who and the what and the why of what we are about to do. So you're getting ready to teach a Bible lesson, and um, mo- mostly what I'm doing here in this series is mostly aimed at like a Sunday school class setting. Um, there can be some other settings. Um, we may talk about some of those as, as we go along. There could be some other settings that you might use. Um, you might be um, you know, doing, leading a Bible study at, at home around your um, dining room table. You, you might be um, maybe meeting one-to-one with someone and, and leading them through some sort of study. You might be you know, doing something else, having a discussion group or something. I mean, there, there might be other settings, but just primarily I'm thinking more of along the line of the Sunday school class. So before, before we get started, we understand that there are some, some pre-commitments that we have or should have And that's going to affect every step of the process. And that's also going to determine what happens as this lesson is actually put together and then is actually delivered. So think about a couple of things. So if if the primary goal in getting up front of whatever the class is and teaching a lesson, if the primary goal is to entertain the people that's in front of you, well, then that's going to affect the way that you approach the Bible for this particular lesson. If your goal is primarily to be relatable um, or to be cool and say yo a lot when talking to maybe some younger, you know, younger kids or whatever, to be trendy, or if, you're ma- if your primary um, purpose is to be relatable or liked, well, all those things are going to affect the way that you're actually going to approach the Bible when you're supposed to teach it. If your primary goal is so that you can look smart or that you can um, perhaps um, show your eloquence uh, or something like that, then, again, that's going to affect how you approach the Bible before you teach it. All right, so what are the pre-commitments? What are the goals that we should have when teaching the Bible? Well, first of all, we should have 
a commitment to Scripture. So we should start with a commitment to Scripture. And that's going to mean three different things in particular for putting together, preparing a Bible lesson. First of all, that the Bible is God's Word. The Bible is sufficient for everything we need to know or we need to know God to have a saving relationship with him and to live our lives for his glory. So the Bible gives us everything we need for those, um, those needs that I just mentioned. Now, if you need to know how to bake a pie, well, the Bible's not really going to help you do that. If you need to know how to change the oil in your car, well, the Bible's not really going to help you do that. But if you need to know God, if you need to have a saving relationship with God, if you need to know how to live your, your life in such a way as to glorify him, what it is that he requires, well, then that's what the Bible is going to tell you. And not only does the Bible tell us that, but the Bible is sufficient. In other words, that the Bible gives us everything that we need. Um, I think as Peter put it, all the things that pertain to life and godliness. So this commitment to Scripture then, is highlighted in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And that right there really is... The commitment. It really is a place that we have to start. If you're going to teach the Bible, then you have to start with that commitment to what the Bible is and what the Bible does. And that is really the, the starting place. Now, the next, um, the next thing that commitment to Scripture means is that faith in the Holy Spirit to work through God's Word in the hearts of your hearers must be your conviction. In, in other words, as you're preparing to teach the Bible and you're going you're to get up, you realize that a, a teacher does have to have ability that's suitable for the setting that they're teaching in. Now, that is absolutely true. But confidence does not or should not come from ability. So confidence in teaching the Bible doesn't come from my ability to do it or my ability to communicate or your ability to communicate. That's not where the confidence comes from. It's faith in the Holy Spirit to work through God's Word. And this is something that will also help with the nervousness aspect that we talked about earlier. Because when we have faith in in the Word, we have faith in the Spirit, and not in ourselves. And I had uh, a young preacher one time that asked me, you know, well, just, you know, get, about getting nervous and about, about this and that, you know, and then, well, I'm just unworthy to, to preach the word. And, and, and so no, no one is, I mean, no one is worthy in that sense to be able to, to teach the Bible um, to someone. But the point is, is that where, but where is your confidence? If your confidence is in you, then you've got good reason to be nervous. But if your confidence is in the Bible and your confidence is in the Spirit to work through that word, then 
then really you can, you can set aside a lot of the nerves and anxiety about teaching a lesson. All right, so next, the next um, emphasis of the commitment to Scripture is that the Bible then, it is the source for the lesson, and it's not filler for the lesson. In other words, if, you're, if your purpose is to teach the Bible, then it's, it's not for you to get up and to talk about a lot of every, everything else and fill in with some Bible here and there. No, the Bible is, should be the source of the lesson. It should, should be the subject of the lesson. So Bible lessons should be about something. And that something obviously should be from the Bible. So Bible lessons are not times for uh, a teacher's random musings or speculations or imaginations or vain philosophies or um, any, you know, any, other, any other number of things that we could mention. Right? That's not the purpose of teaching a Bible lesson. Teaching points and practical applications of the lesson must come from the scripture text itself. And also, we should never be motivated to teach because I have something to say. We should be motivated to teach because God has spoken in his word, and that's what we are going to teach. Now, if this was a preacher seminar, I would probably throw up a picture of just Jerry right about now. Some of you are familiar with that, but I'm not going to do that. So the next commitment that we need to have is a commitment to communicate clearly. So if we're going to get up in front of a group, whatever size it is, whatever age range it is, whatever, if we're going to get up in front of a group to teach the Bible, then we have to have a commitment to communicate clearly. And that means not obscuring the truth. So in other words, our goal when we get up and we teach the Bible, is that we should be making the Bible clear. We should be making the Bible plain, what the Bible is teaching. We should not be making it confusing um, or, or hiding it or, or making it secret or what have you. We don't want to obscure the truth. So think about what Paul wrote here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-5. to Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So note that Paul is here defending his ministry. And if you recall in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what he's talking about just prior to this, he's talking about the Jews who sit in the synagogue every Sabbath day, and they, they, they listen to the law of Moses, but, but they miss it. And, he, and Paul says they, there's a veil over them, so they don't, they don't see it. They're blinded to what they're hearing week in, week out, every Sabbath day in the synagogue. They're blind to it. 
Well, then he goes from that to talking about his own ministry and those that minister with him. And notice that he says that he doesn't, he doesn't walk in craftiness. He doesn't handle the word of God deceitfully, he says, but by manifestation of the truth. And what that means is, is open proclamation or clear proclamation of the truth. In other words, Paul says, we're not trying to hide anything. We are preaching the word of God openly. And if the gospel is hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost, not because of our preaching and teaching, but it's because their minds are blinded. So in other words, in, in Paul's commitment was to communicate the word of God clearly and openly. And if, if again, if it's hidden to some, it's because they are lost. And he was not hiding the word as some of those false teachers that were actually criticizing him that he writes about in the Second Corinthians letter. We have another verse where he says in Galatians 3.1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Notice that. You see that? Before whose eyes right there. Evidently set forth. Christ has been set forth. In other words, he says, before your eyes, you can see Christ crucified before you. And that word that's translated evidently set forth means to be depicted openly before the eyes. And once again, Paul is referring to clarity that Christ crucified has been clearly declared among you, such that he says you saw it with your eyes. So the next commitment, or I'm sorry, the, the another um, point of a commitment to communicate clearly is, you know, let me get this off here. There we go. That learning requires clear teaching. If you're going to teach someone something, and that's whether it's the Bible or a whole host of other things, you're going to have to teach them clearly. So we live in, in the age of the Internet, and anything that we need to do, um, whether that's a medical diagnosis um, or repairing something around the house, we go to Google, and we're going we're gonna to ask, and if we can formulate the question correctly, we might get some articles that help us. We might go to YouTube and look for some videos. Now, if you're like me and have done that at different times, sometimes you have to filter through them because you get some that are just not, they're just not clear. Like you can't, it doesn't, it doesn't really help you. And then, and then finally, you know, you find one, it sets out the steps clearly and, and all that doesn't have a lot of extra stuff and all that. And that, that helps you get to what you need. Well, the, we understand that just learning requires clear teaching. Now, the most common word in the New Testament that is used for teaching is a word that means to instruct or to inform, and it's something that implies an orderly instruction, obviously in a clear instruction. So rambling statements may fill the time, but they will only fill the mind with confusion and clutter. So we need clear communication. If we aim for understanding, and we should aim for understanding, if we get up before a class to teach them the Bible, our aim should be that they understand what we're teaching them, then we must aim for clarity in teaching. 
And then the third pre-commitment was having appropriate goals for the lesson. Now, these goals for the lesson, I say, come in two main categories. One would be understanding the setting for the lesson, and the second would be the effect of the lesson. All right, so we'll talk about the setting first. The setting, when I talk about the setting, I'm talking about the setting for the lesson itself, like where this is going to be taught. Now, again, in this series, I'm sort of mainly aiming at a Sunday school class in mind, um, but, it, but, it, there, but it could be applicable and adapted to other settings as well. So settings would include factors like location. You know, are you going to be outside under a tree uh, with, with uh, a group sitting on a blanket? Are you going to be, um, you know, inside in a classroom? Are you going to be, again, around that dining room table? I, I mean, where, are, where is this going to take place? Um, time constraints, it would be another. So if this is typically a, a Sunday school class, then you might have plan for 30 or 40 minutes. You may have some other activities. You might have a Bible memorization as part of it. You might have singing of songs or learning of songs. You may have craft or something else. And so you, you have to understand what sort of, of time frame that you're aiming for. Um, is, it a, is it a class of teens? Is it a class of kids? Is it a class of really little kids? Is it a class of adults? Is it, is it some mixture of of all of those things, you know, sometimes you, you might have a, uh, a young singles class or, or whatever. I mean, it just what, what is, who's making up the class? Who is it that you're going to be teaching? I mean, these are things that you need to think about ahead of time. Um, you also, you, you need to know, um, you know, who you're going to be teaching, who you're going to be leading in a study, and that's obviously going to affect the lesson. All right, so one time, Many, many years ago, uh, I had a preacher call me and asked me to preach at his conference. And he told me, he said, the main purpose of this conference is to encourage young preachers. All right, so um, I, I knew him, but I'd, I'd never been to his church. I didn't know this conference. I didn't know who was going to be there. From talking to him, my assumption was that there's going to be a bunch of young preachers there. And so I prepared to preach this message that was aimed at young preachers. So I, I get there, and I get up to preach, and I'm looking out at a congregation uh, that are mostly gray heads, mostly half asleep. There wasn't a young preacher in the crowd. And here I've got a message that is specifically tailored to speak to young preachers, and so I'm kind of on the fly, trying to generalize it as, as much as I can, but I don't, really, I don't really think it worked extremely well because I, I did not know my audience before I got up to preach. Now, were that to happen to today, I would ask a whole lot more questions. You know, is this, if this is someplace I don't know about and all that sort of, I would ask a lot more questions before I went, but I just made some assumptions. Oh, well, he's having this conference. He's going to have a bunch of young preachers there, and he's, you know, wanting to challenge and encourage whatever. So it, it does make a difference. You know, who you're going to be speaking to, um, things like the, the level of comprehension. Again, if you're teaching 
you, you know, younger kids or teens or, or, or adults or, or what have you. Um, setting would also include things like the format of the class. So is this going to be something that's going to be highly discussion-based and discussion-driven? Is this something that's going to be, um, you know, a less level of interaction? Is, you know, how, how's this going to happen? Again, is it going to include other aspects, you know, doing of crafts or, or what, other, what other things? So that, this is the first consideration. So that's why I say appropriate goals for the lesson. Knowing, knowing this setting is going to affect the way that you're going to put this together. And the next would be the effect, the appropriate effect that you're aiming for in the lesson. And another way to put this would be, what is it that you want the class to learn as a result of this lesson? I mean, you're, you're getting up to teach them the Bible and you've got some passage and, and you're teaching it in some, well, what is it that you want them to learn? And I would say, number one, don't try to do too much. Um, you, you cannot teach the whole Bible in every lesson. Um, you know, and, and many have tried and many have failed, myself included. You just can't teach the whole Bible in, and, it, and actually that even comes in under the part of clarity. Having, having focus, having focus of what this lesson is about and what it is that you are hoping in this lesson to communicate um, to the class. So you don't want to dry, try to do too much. And, and even if you're looking at a passage and maybe say it's a miracle of, of Christ and so you're teaching this miracle of Christ, well, you, you're not going to be able to say everything that could possibly be said um, about this event. So, yes, you know, as, and we'll talk about this later on when we're talking about studying the passage in another, in another lesson. You're, you're going to study and you're going to find a whole lot of things that are never going to make it into an actual lesson that you're going to deliver. Um, and, that's, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of times you, there's a lot of things you need to know along that line. But, you, you, you know, you, you, your goal can't be to say everything that can possibly be said about this passage or how it relates to everything else in the Bible and in the world. I mean, that just obviously can't be your goal. You have to be more focused than that. So if we think back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, then we would ha- our goal here would be to instruct, to correct, and equip. And then we see all of that that says the Bible is sufficient for and is, is given for Another thing that I would say in, in the effect that you are aiming for in your lesson is you don't want to think that you can perceive every possible need and every spiritual condition that is in front of you. Um, you, you probably will know some. You probably will be able to perceive some things. But don't, don't think that you can perceive everything and speak to everything um, that's going to be in front of you. Uh, a lot of times, just quite simply, we just, we just don't know. We don't know uh, where someone is um, when they come to a class and, and what may be going on in their life and what things they may be thinking about, what their spiritual condition is and so on. I mean, we just, we just don't know. We'll talk about some of those things um, later on, but just, just starting with the effect. We can't, we can't aim that, well, I'm going to address um, every every problem um, or, you know, thing that I can see. And then, and then finally, we, it comes back again to you have to have confidence in the Word itself. If you're committed, this is the Word of God 
then you have to have confidence that God's word will go out and it's never going to return to him void. It's, it's going to accomplish the purpose that he sends it to. And the Holy Spirit is going to work with that word. And the Holy Spirit is going to be able to take that um, to the hearts the way that you or, you or I or any other teacher or whatever never can. Um, and you've probably had that experience. Um, I've had experiences sometimes sitting in a service or, or maybe sitting in a class and hearing a lesson or hearing a sermon. And something that the preacher says will just hit me right there. And it, and it wasn't it wasn't the main point in any way, shape, or form. He's just, as, as he's going through and something just hits me and, and, and I learn something, I, I get something that I've, I've needed and that, that wasn't, you know, even his point or whatever. And I've had that experience happen. You've probably had that experience happen. So, again, you just have to have confidence in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit to do that work and take it as your job, in essence, to communicate that word accurately and clearly to the class that is in front of you. Okay, so that's our first step in teaching a Bible lesson. So we still have a couple more steps um, to go, and um, we'll have uh, another lesson, at least one, um, maybe two I think would be the most, but I, I think at least, at least another so any, um, any questions or anything on what we've talked about here tonight? Uh, like in what way? I don't know if I... Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I'm not really to that point yet. I mean, um, some of that does kind of overlap. But yes, it, it will. It will affect that. Um, when we get to talking about actually studying, you know, the passage or, or, or what it is that's going, going to be taught, then, yeah, some of that will, will come into that.